Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the mailbag. My name is Marcus Christopher Speller. Andy Brassel is with me. Andy, how are you? I'm good, Marcus. Hello, Ramblers. I'm a little bit thrown by the fact that for some reason I expected you to start with a Scottish accent and you didn't. So that was a little surprise to me. I was slightly disappointed, if I'm honest, as well. I was expecting to be buoyed with a full Scottish accent, which I know you do so well. Um, but maybe if I'm good over the next uh, 20, 25, 30 minutes, um, I'll get a surprise, a little treat at the end. Maybe you will, Andy. Maybe you will. Maybe. You, or is it maybes? Maybe. You wee bampot. Uh, Andy, <laughs> today it's uh, we're recording this in 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 the uh, in the hub of the uh, Christmas activity, the Christmas, the festive period. Yes, uh, and uh, and I thought we would we would mix it up a little bit. We, the, the the end of twenty twenty is is nigh. I don't think anybody will miss this year particularly. Uh, but uh, one often uh, reflects on the year, of course, when uh, coming towards New Year's Eve. And that's what we're going to do today, ladies and gentlemen. We, Andy and I are going to pick um, a game, a goal, a player and a team that has stood out for us in this uh, year 2020. So, um, Andy, why don't you get us off to a, to a good start? Pick whichever of the uh, categories you would like and uh, and bring forth your answer. But of course, if you, you're a little bit undecided, maybe you've got a couple of answers or something like that, then then then, then spew whatever thoughts you have uh, in front of the good listeners uh, and we can we can help you. Uh, I'm sure that's work. what the listeners want, me spewing all over the place. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to start, as is the fashion, with um, having a sort of tier system, I think. Okay. Um, because for my player... Um, the player of the year, I think it is only fair mm-hmm. that it is Robert Lewandowski. Um, oh, so you're going player of the year? I, just for you, it was a standout player. That was what I thought. Oh, well, well that's why there are tears, Marcus. Hang on. Hang oh, on. okay, okay, okay. Um, I, th- I think that the deserved European player of the year is is Robert Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as we know, I'm not bothered about the FIFA Best Awards or any oh, of that no, sort no, of stuff. No, no, no. Um, and I only feel slightly sad for him not getting a Ballon d'Or because, um, well, it's essentially meaningless and the team trophies are the ones that count and he's got plenty of those, so he's got nothing really to complain about. Um, but if there was a case for individual recognition, I think that Lewandowski would deserve it, um, not just because of the extraordinary numbers, Um because of what he offers as a teammate and the fact that since he's reconciled himself with the idea, I think, of being a Bayern lifer rather than mm-hmm. finding an absolute career pinnacle at Real Madrid, um, that he's realised that he can achieve that at Bayern. I think he's he's been happier. He's been super invested. He's been more of an all-round player than he's been at any other team since he's been at Bayern. Um, sort of what he was in the last year and a half, two years at Dortmund, but even better. Um, well, I've, I just we've talked about it on the show um, on various ramble shows and OTC that I just find it fascinating that um, maybe he's leading the way for players and certainly centre forwards in that he's he's actually getting better at 32 going on for 33. That for me is extraordinary and maybe that is something that defines a, a, a new era in football. Um, you know, we, we talked before about that um, Aritz Adaris quote where he said, um, you know, it stands to reason 
that I'm going to get better if I can maintain my physical form. I'm going to get better as I'm in my 30s because I'm more experienced. Um, I know my game more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that goes double for Lewandowski. I don't think there's a limit to, to how good he can get in the next couple of years. I don't even feel he's, he's maybe peaked. I think maybe there's even more to come. Um, obviously, we'll reserve judgment and see what happens in the back end of the Champions League in 2021. And... Um, in Euro 2020 for for, for Poland. Um, but I think there's even more stuff that he can do. There's no sign that he's slowing up. And I wonder if, you know, you look at Ronaldo turning into a, a pure striker, the fact that Cavani's got so much left in the tank. I wonder if this could be a thing that we assumed as being just nailed to Italy before. But it turns out that, you know, they have stuff like diet and fitness in other countries. And it's, yeah. it's absolutely possible that it can happen to other strikers. So I think for all those reasons, Lewandowski deserves it. But as I said, there are tears. So there's Lewandowski, I think, is the deserving European player of the year. But if you're asking standout, my preferred player yeah. this year, I'm going to have to go for Maxwell Cornet of Lyon because... I think a player who was an incredibly raw striker mm -hmm. when he arrived at Lyon as a teenager has now turned into a really, really good left back. He had a brilliant um, Champions League last eight, obviously, particularly against Manchester City. And he, he defends like quite tigerishly, mm -hmm. as well as being able to burst from deep and um, still weigh in an attacking sense, just like, Alfonso Davies and you know we talked about it before didn't we ages ago with Fabio Coentrao that idea that if you're a player with those great attacking instincts and a certain amount of pace you know you can build up momentum from starting from a deeper position it almost makes you more of an a, attacking threat mm. but he is not the the player who I expected to morph into a really good left back but he's done that he's not just a wing back he, he is actually a, a left back as well and I've particularly enjoyed watching his performances and you know it's, it's not really about I think we can sometimes get lost in you know the best player or what's absolutely elite but someone who throws everything into it and really improves I, I'm totally into that I thought you might say Martin Odegaard but you didn't you big coward well no he's yours right <laughs> or he would be if he'd have played for hearts uh, for hearts yeah right uh no I'm not going to choose Martin Odegaard because um, I think he's crap. No, I think uh, I'm going to choose um, Mr. Harland. No, I'm going to. Well, he would be up there. Harland would be up there, Andy. You got to say. Yeah, there's no, there's no arguing. Um, especially if we're talking in in terms of calendar year. Because well, well we are talking in terms of calendar year. The, the, yeah, he's put himself on the footballing map. I think it's this year. I, I can't remember if he's. Oh, it is he? He joined. He joined Dortmund last winter. So I think when you look at. I mean, not that I'm saying it's all about the Scandinavians, but um, Erling Haaland and Zlatan Ibrahimovic have just dominated the calendar year. Well, um, so Ibrahimovic was going to be one of my shouts, you know, it was yeah. Ponder, because it is just incredible what he's doing and has done at his age. You know, when you, when he, he, he's one of those players that, when I say one of those players, no, he isn't. He's completely unique, isn't he? Yes. After, he went off to MLS and you think, okay, that's that'll probably be kind of the end of his career. And if it was, it would still be impressive. I think the fact that he went to Manchester United when he did, when people were saying, oh, but the Premier League's very fast and all that kind of stuff. That I mean, that was that was very impressive. He won 
you know, a couple of trophies there and scored a few goals. Uh, he wasn't blisteringly good, but he was good. I understand some Manchester United fans said, well, he holds up the play a bit too much and so on. But, but he, he, I think it was it was a success, I would I would say, uh, uh, you know, when all said and done. Um, uh, uh, but then to go back to Milan as well, having played in, in you know, gone to the States and, uh, and whatnot, you thought to yourself, is this going to be... Um, you know, he might score the odd goal here and there. I think he scored, was it on his day in his first game back or his second game back? He scored quite early on. You thought, oh, that's good. Thank goodness he scored. You don't want him to embarrass himself. Do you see what I mean? You don't want it to be a bit. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, never go back, as they say in football. But he's been so crucial to them this season. And they're flying high. This is the best Milan have, have, have had in a season for I don't know how many years. It is utterly remarkable. Um, but I mean, we've spoken about uh, Ibrahimovic before, so I don't, I don't want to go overboard. I think one of the players of, of the calendar year uh, has has been Bruno Fernandes at Manchester yes. United, and I think that it's a funny career. I mean, he he has he has a better scoring ratio of just just better than one in two, which is which is very impressive. But Bruno Fernandes, he's never played for an elite club. You know, he, he started at Navarra, Udinese, Sampdoria, and then he went to Sporting. It's a, a strange path, really, because when he was at Sporting and he was there for a few years, for a while, you know, he was talked about. He was this player who was he was going to get a big move. Man City were interested. All the big boys were. You know, we went to see him. Uh, you know, the, the, us at the Ramble to see Sporting play. I mean, he was the best player on the pitch. And it's it's not like he's twenty one. He's he's twenty six. But that's why it's worked. That's yep. why it's worked, Marcus. Possibly. Because yeah. because he um, has, has got more sort of rich background of experience than yeah. most other well, players who come directly from Portugal to the Premier League. He was chomping you know, a bit, really, to get going. Yeah, but like I, I think you have to say he's he's educated himself. He's always had quite an instinctive idea of what's right for him. So um, he chose to stay in Portugal to stay in the Boavista Academy. Then he chose to go to Navarra and people thought he was mad because of it, because they were a second tier team in Italy. Um, but he learned this whole tactical side of the game and how to orchestrate a midfield while he was in Italy. Then at Sporting, he goes back and sort of goes back to Portugal and he's in the position where he's the shot caller in the team and develops a a whole new side to him. And funnily enough, you talked about Manchester City there. Of course, he's got the ability to play for any of the leading sides. I don't think he fits anyone like he fits for Manchester United because they needed him and he needed them. The, The table was set for him. It's a very similar situation the one that he walked into to the, to the one he had at sporting. And so the adjustment period was so much smaller because it was very much a case of just do what you did at sporting, right? Run the show, be the personality. And and he got to do that. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, But the player I'm going to go for is Jack Grealish. Okay, nice. Jackie baby with those thighs and that ass. uh, And also with that, I thought it was about the calves. Oh yeah, why, yeah. well it's why, the whole why the, the thighs? Why the thighs? All of it, all of it, Andy. But he's not just an object, of course, and you do well to remember that. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, because he, he he was crucial in keeping Aston Villa up last season. They only just did it, of course. They finished seventeenth. They were a point 
above Bournemouth. And I thought they'd struggle this year. I thought, well, I thought they'd struggle to keep him and I thought the team would struggle a little bit. And, you know, so far in, in, in the Premier League at, at, um, at, the, at the time of recording this, uh, Aston Villa are, are having a, a, a quite a nice time in the league, aren't they? I mean, where are they now? They're ninth. Um, they've got a couple of games in hand, as I say, at the time of recording on some of the teams around them. I mean, they're, they're one point behind Manchester City and only three behind Tottenham Hotspur with, with games in hands games in hand on, on both of those teams yeah maybe I'm wrong here but I, I, I don't know Marcus I, I feel with Aston Villa yeah like where exactly they are in the table is almost not the point you know the the, the, the fact is there's they're, they're so good to watch yeah they're so exciting and he's and one I of the reasons for be, that he, he's a huge reason for that and I, I think they've, they've put better pieces around him this mm-hmm. season but I think like you, I, th- I thought they'd be in big trouble at the start of this season. So I think the fact that they're, for, for a neutral, the fact that they're a surprise has been really good. The fact that they've been involved in a lot of exciting matches. Yeah. But I think we can easily forget when we talk about the business of winning trophies and the financial importance of staying up. We've sort of fallen into that as fans, where actually as fans, and if you're a Villa fan, They've endured a lot of dross yeah, yeah. over over the last decade yeah. in that sort of purgatory between like the bottom six of the Premier League and and the Championship, mm-hmm. and, and to be in a position where you pretty much know you're not going to go down, and you can actually enjoy the games, albeit from afar at the moment, which is something we greatly hope changes um, in in 2021. I mean that that is a pretty good thing, no? Yeah, no, I I completely agree, and also as well. He he now is a regular in the England squad, and for a lot of people, he should be a regular in the side. I think he's done very well there because he was not picked in a few games where he might have been. He, Southgate's taken a while to warm up to to Grealish, you would say, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that was necessarily a bad tactic from Southgate. Uh, but Grealish has gone in there, and he he is again. It's so exciting to watch. And, uh, you know, he's not sort of pulled up trees for England necessarily. But, I mean, England have had a bit of a funny 2020. Uh, but I think, you know... So, so has every international team, really. I mean, they've, they've gone so long without playing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's about promise and possibility. Yeah. And um, that's that's underrated. I think that's that's that's, that's quite important, the, the idea yeah. of him bringing excitement to, to England games. I do hope, though, that in 2021... He's brought to justice for his most heinous of crimes, uh, which is uh, stealing Pete Donaldson's hair. Yeah, of course. When you said brought to justice crimes and all that, I did think to yourself, all right, Andy, you know, <laughs> keep it on the field. Uh... That's your mind. That's nothing to do with me. Come on. <laughs> and anyway, let's move on swiftly. Uh, to uh, to a great goal, Andy. Great goal. Or a goal that stood out for you in 2020. Right. Well, you've mentioned him before. Mm. It's not just the goal, it's the sound it made. I'm going to go for Erling Haaland's winner for Borussia Dortmund against Paris Saint-Germain back in February. With the famous because... celebration. Uh, um, no, no not, not, not the yoga celebration. The yoga celebration was for the first one oh, okay. um so um the, the the second one is where you get the little mini slalom from geo reina mm-hmm. plays him in and before you even know it's a chance he's rattled it past uh, kelo navas from just outside the area and it makes that very satisfying yeah as it hits the back of the net 
and I was I was in the stadium for that, and it, it, it was yeah, it was it was one of the, I was almost level with the edge of the penalty box from where he hit it, mm-hmm. and it was, it was very much one of those oh shit, did you see that sort of moments where where you know at that point you're sort of getting towards the point where you're shaping your final match report. Um, Cause I was, I was writing um, the match report for the guardian that night and still it sort of just completely struck me, like knocked my head out of mm-hmm. like where, where I was. It was, it was incredible. It's just really lifted by the, the joy of it. And maybe I'm, that, that that's part of what colors it as well. I'm, I'm very much thinking about, you know, reminiscing about moments of, of joy in stadiums, which again, we all hope to get back to quite soon. Sure, yeah. I'd like to give an honourable mention for a goal I really, really enjoyed was uh, James Madison's goal for Leicester against Manchester City in the 5-2 when he kind of just curled mm. it from all of 25, maybe slightly more, uh, out and it, right into the top corner. And the height he got on it was absolutely scrumptious. And it was scrumptious. Um, it was. But the goal I have to go to straight away is Joe Bryan's first in the playoff final against Brentford, that free kick. Wow, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it's, it was such a sort of moment of quality, but also uh, a, a moment uh, of, uh, of a lapse of concentration from the, the goalkeeper because the game had been a bit of a stalemate. There wasn't too many chances. Fulham had made themselves very solid and difficult to break down because, of course, they had to against uh, Brentford. And it had gone into extra time. It was, it was a warm evening. Of course, it was at Wembley. There were no fans there. And the game was going on and on and on. And it was just out of nowhere, this moment of quality. Because uh, it's always, it always going to take a moment of quality or a lapse of concentration. And it was kind of both at the same time. And the fact is that Joe Bryan, he was shaping up. If you watch it back, he's shaping up to cross it, of course. Parker calls him over and says, look at the goalkeeper's position. Apparently, it's something that they'd spotted before. Uh, and he says, shoot. And he is so far out as well. Yeah, it's miles the, out. Well, yeah. the ball bounces before it goes over the line. You know, that's how far out it is. And and he, and, and when you look at the, the footage back, he's almost like sort of slightly hamming it up as, as he's looking over and putting his hand up as if to say, I am crossing the ball. I'm about to cross it. I'm definitely <laughs> going to cross it. You know, like, <laughs> with, the, with, the, with the benefit of hindsight, you look back and think, yeah, he really, really was signposting that. And then, of course, he curled it in. Um, which was uh, great for Fulham and terrible for Brentford, and then he got a second as well, just to uh, just to make sure Brentford then got a consolation. But that goal for me would it was it was just top draw, very very good indeed. Andy, what about a team? I, I think the team has to be Bayern actually, and not just because mm. they they won the treble, but because of the style in which they did it. I can't think of a Bayern side that I've enjoyed watching more. And that includes the Pep Guardiola Bayern sides who completely changed Bayern and completely changed German football. But I think to, um, to, to win, to put up the relentless numbers is, you know, great and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But we've seen Bayern go on runs before where it's just a sense of oh, them again. I, I, I didn't feel this with that Bayern side. I, I, I just felt that um, they were daring. They took risks. They had personality. Um, you could feel the perfect confluence between coach and players. And the fact that not only was the coach, Hansi Flick, a great player whisperer and great at relating to the big names, mm-hmm. but he 
was tactically astute. Think of what he did with Alfonso Davies and David Alaba and Kimmich. And to have that combination of a coach who is um, emotionally adjusted to the players Mm. and is tactically very good. That's an unusual combination. We tend to think of coaches as either one or the other. And they were just absolutely terrific to watch. And for that reason, actually partly for that reason, I think my match of the the, the, the year would probably be the Bayern 8-2 against Barcelona. Just because that was such a seismic shock to the world of football. Yep. Funnily enough, you know, I watch Bayern pretty much every week in this calendar year and um it it wasn't their best performance it really wasn't their best performance they played quite a few better games there but what i particularly enjoyed about that and um i spoke to uh david cartledge from otc about it and we were saying that the, the thing that was really good about that match from if you're familiar with barcelona is that it was the moment where you could show the rest of the world no, I'm not mad. I'm not exaggerating. Barcelona (laughs) really are falling to pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The second time Barcelona sort of closed the chapter, Bayern closed the chapter on Barcelona, of course. Um, when they yeah. in the when they beat them was it seven nil on aggregate or something like that? Yeah, in, in the 2013 semi. Do you think then, Marcus, this was more humiliating or less humiliating? I think this was ah, it's difficult. Immediately, I want to say it's more humiliating because eight goals in a match, but not having fans there does skewer things slightly. So, yes, mm, it, it's difficult to say. Do you think Messi looked more grumpy uh-huh. in Munich in 2013 or Lisbon in 2020? Oh, 2020, I would say. I can't remember 20, the, the previous one, to be honest with you. He had, he had awfully hunched shoulders. But he will do. I, I mean, that, that was partly due to injury. Um, yeah. But 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 still, he looked, he looked very sad. I've, I've found out in 2020, I'm not especially fond of Messi's sad face. Yeah. I mean, I, if, if, if I was given a choice, I prefer Cristiano Ronaldo's affronted face to Messi's sad face. <laughs> That's the real quiz. <laughs> that is, it really is. Okay, so you've gone for Bayern uh, for your team, the, the sort of standout team. Well, that's fair. I, I don't think I could argue too much with that. I, I think two teams leap to mind, both in England. You have Liverpool. One's, one's Fulham, right? Uh, not, not not this time, no. Uh, no? You have Liverpool, who, of course, won the league in 2020. So w- whatever happens, you know, with this year, it's been terrible. Uh, for for most people around the world and so on, but Liverpool fans will still hold it dear because they finally yes. won the league uh, for the first time in in thirty years or whatever it was, and 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 they were and, and to me that they, they've still they are still it's them and Bayern who are the two best teams in Europe. I would say when I looked at that Champions League, it, for me it was always Bayern's to lose. I know PSG obviously reached the final and and they were only edged out by Bayern, but I always thought Bayern were going to win. But when I look back at that game that Liverpool played against Atletico Madrid in front of fans of course controversially it would turn out how Liverpool didn't win that game is beyond me and I think Liverpool would have got as far certainly as as if until they played Bayern and then it would have been an interesting game or Liverpool would have reached the final and, and possibly won it so I think Liverpool have still been the standout team and I think that you know it's been 
it's been a, it's been a crazy old season. But mm. again, at the time of recording, uh, Liverpool are top of the league. They've only lost once this season, and uh, and everyone else around them uh, uh, has lost, you know, two, three, four, five times. So you'd have at Liverpool for me, for me would still be the side. The other team, though, I want to give an honourable mention to is Tottenham Hotspur. And the reason for that is, uh, you know, they, they, they finish last season and, and Mourinho's obviously celebrating getting into the Europa League. Uh, but I get why. I know we sort of had a bit of a chuckle about that, but but I understand why. Uh, and now he's, he is, he's turning them into a team who are people are saying, oh, could they have a little tilt at the title? And up until recently, people really believed that. I think the last couple of results they've, you know, they've had, again, at the time of recording, has not been so good. But Tottenham Hotspur's transformation, and and really, I suppose I'm saying this because it's Mourinho, the old dog's back, isn't he? He's got the fight so, back, and he's got the he has got league titles in his sights, and it's going to be very, very interesting to see what he can do with Tottenham this season, and maybe even next season because it'll probably go wrong after next season. <laughs> so to clarify, Marcus, yeah. are you lauding Tottenham for reviving Mourinho or Mourinho for reviving Tottenham? I think it's a bit of both, right? Yeah, I'm not. It's a fair okay. point. I'm not really too sure. I think that he needed a job like Spurs. I'd, I'd said for a while, his best jobs are when everything around the club is suited to him, and he basically is the Pied Piper, and they all go with him wherever he goes. That was never going to happen at Manchester United, and it was never going to happen at Real Madrid, despite winning trophies at those sides, though, and a very, very impressive league win at Real Madrid. People can forget that. Um, but at Inter and at Chelsea, when they followed him and obviously Porto, kind of like he had the keys to the kingdom, he was on the throne and it's like, okay, whatever you want, we'll, we'll accommodate you and all that. He always needed to be at a club where that would be the case, which is why I thought he can't manage at an elite club. He can't manage at a Barcelona, Real Madrid, Manchester United, maybe not Juventus. Uh, I don't think they'd have him at PSG because of his style, because of the way he is. They Those clubs, and there's only very few of them, it's, it's always think of themselves as, oh, but we we are football. You know, we, people love us. They, and Marine doesn't want to be loved. He wants to have that kind of siege mentality. So there's, there's two things I, I want to go back to yeah. with the Liverpool thing. Firstly, when we're talking player, um, you reminded me with the Liverpool Atletico thing, Marcos Llorente. He has to be up there for player of the year. I can't think of a player in world football as who's improved so much in 2020. Yeah. He's been incredible. And that match changed it all for him. The fact that he was a defensive midfielder, they bought 40 million euros, couldn't get in the team, um, which I imagine was absolutely doing his head in because he moved, a not easy move from Real Madrid to Atletico so he could actually play. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't get in the team. And then they bring him on to like stem this like Liverpool tide that there is no holding back. Yeah. And um, he ends up just bizarrely scoring two goals that get them through to the next round. Yeah. And from there, Simeone goes, all right, you can do a job for me in an attacking sense. And he plays <laughs> um, wide right and attacking midfield and second striker for the rest of the year. And he's really bloody good at it. Mm. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. He is like the posh Paul Warhurst for the 21st century. <laughs> And it is That's a lovely mag- old reference. Magnificent. It's magnificent. That, but, it's, but believe me, kids, that's a good one. W- Wikipedia in. Yeah. Speak, speaking of current references, the other thing that sprung to mind when you were talking about Liverpool, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to burst into song when you said they've won the league. Because immediately I thought they've won the league. 
Bigger stars than Dallas. They've got more silver than Buckingham Palace. No one knows quite what to expect. Yeah. When the Red Machine's in full effect. I didn't know this. I don't know that one. It's um, it's the Anfield rap. Oh, you see, it's, it's the best cup final song that obviously is related to a cup final that they lost yeah, in yeah. 1988. But it was, it was good. It was a good song, and Craig Johnson did a good job on it. Mm. Who who won the 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 FA Cup in 1988, Andy? I can't remember. If anyone wants to uh, ping it in, we can discuss it in a subsequent mailbag. It's the team that Americans call Wimpleton. <laughs> yes, I don't know why they did that. It's clearly a deep. Pete, Pete Sampras is a big fan of Wimbledon, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I suppose, uh, you, you know, you linked Bayern, uh, when you chose your team, you linked them then to a game. Well, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, to the two games that stand out for me, and again, this is just, you know, I'm sure people will be saying, oh, what about this game? Yes, you're absolutely right. That was a great game. But the games I'm going to talk about is a recent one. Liverpool versus Spurs was a, was a, was a really, that was a proper two teams who have got their eyes on the title going at it twists and turns one side comes away thinking now oh, we should have we should have got something out of that game and the other side a late winner there's only three goals and in this and in this pandemic time we've seen the goals flying in at either end it was a it was a real crunch match um it had that grit and determination about it a bit of quality as well and a late mm. goal so so that was a great game but the game i'm going to actually choose is a game to, that to me sums up this whole crazy football pandemic business no fans in the, the ground it's it, it all gone mad. It involves Liverpool, and it's the game they lost this season. Aston Villa 7, Liverpool 0, because no one would have predicted that. And it came at a time... Did they end up with 0 in the end? Did they get the 2 sorry, taken sorry, off two, them? Two, two, <laughs> sorry, what are talking about? It's the 7-2. Forgive me. You've let everyone down, so we've taken the 2 off you. <laughs> <laughs> How silly of me. Of course, Salah's in my uh, fantasy team, and I was pleased that he got a couple that evening. But yeah, set the 7-2, because it was it was just madness. Absolute yes. madness. And, and, and also, the reaction to the game, because it had come off the back of a crazy result in Spurs beating Manchester United 6-1 and even West Ham beating Leicester at home 3-0 was was quite a standout result but completely overshadowed by some of the other crazy ones that went on. Um, The reaction was, it was a bit surprising but it wasn't that, people weren't that surprised or shocked because of, as I say, this, this odd footballing period that we're in thanks to this ruddy pandemic and that there were no fans to see it and so... A bit like you said, Andy, with Barcelona Bayern, you were saying, well, was that more of a humiliation? Well, it would have been, but again, because of the situation that we're in, it takes the edge off it a bit. And so So it's all context, basically. Exactly. So we're saying we're saying the Spurs win at Old Trafford is Brexit and the Villa win over Liverpool is coronavirus. Is if that you, what we're saying? If, if you like, Andy, if you like. Okay. Well, I don't like, but still. <laughs> You've said Brexit and I think it's time to go. <laughs> it's time it's time for us to 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 leave andy so we've we've given people uh hopefully something to think about there uh and no doubt we will have missed out on some excellent options but you can't choose them all everybody you just cannot choose them all St- stick them in the stick them in the um in the discord though we'll be interested to know what your opinions are absolutely absolutely andy i'm always interested in your opinions thank you very much for giving them to us today on the mailbag thank you and i hope ramblers that you're all having a satisfying and safe holiday season absolutely right happy christmas everybody we'll see you soon
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. 